Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Job lamented and yearned for a mediator, someone who could plead his case before God. This is something that we all desperately need, and it is found in Jesus Christ. Through His blood, our sins are forgiven, and we are brought into a relationship with God. Part two of Cheryl's message titled, The Importance of Blood. So any baby infected with rhesus disease was given a small transfusion of James Harrison's blood. And that baby then had all the white blood cells had the information then to kill the rhesus and get rid of it. To date, over two million babies have been saved by the blood of James Harrison. And that blood, that type of blood, is called an overcomer's blood. Amazing. Hebrews 9, 15 through 22, tells us that Jesus, by means of his blood, think about it, if your blood has this type of power to sustain your life, to get rid of toxins, to kill disease, your tainted blood, or your mad cow blood, as in my case, still has the ability to keep your body functioning, to enable you to walk and move and breathe and have being. How much more the blood of Jesus Christ is untainted, pure blood. It mediated a new covenant for us. Jesus is the mediator, the go-between, the goel, if you would have it, of a new covenant between God and man. Only Jesus could mediate such a covenant. In the book of Job, Job laments and says, oh, if only there was somebody who could plead my case before God. Job realized, I'm not worthy to go before God, but I wish I had somebody to represent me before God and then come and tell me what God wants or what God feels or what God requires. I need a mediator. And that mediation that we desperately need was met in Jesus Christ. And it's his blood that initiated the new covenant, ratified the new covenant, and guarantees the new covenant. Every covenant in the Old Testament was initiated or brought to being 
and ratified by blood. In verses 16 through 17 of Hebrews chapter 9, we're told about the will, that a will does not come into being, is not really effective. It's just there. It's just a, it's just a desire. It's, it's just a bequeathment until the person who wrote the will dies. And then the benefits of that will are passed to the beneficiaries, but not before the death of the person who did it. So he says, Jesus wrote out a will. He wrote out a will. And all that he earned, all that he merited, all that was his by right of being the son of God, the glory of God himself, all that wealth, all that prestige, he willed to us, to those who believed on his name. In John chapter 17, we have a copy of the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. And then to make that happen, Jesus died that all the benefits that belonged to Jesus might become ours. The author of Hebrews tells us that this first covenant, according to verses 18 through 21, were dedicated by blood. After Moses announced the conditions of the first covenant, he took water, hyssop, and scarlet wool and sprinkled the book of the law, the people, the tabernacle, and the vessels of the tabernacle. In other words, he put all of these things under one blood. One blood covered everything. It wasn't that he used a goat's blood for the tabernacle, a bull's blood for the people, a lamb's blood for the vessels of the tabernacle. No, it was one animal's blood that covered it all. Now, the other sacrifices, they required other animals, but that was different. But this sanctifying blood, this ratifying blood, this covenant initiating blood, it covered everything, absolutely everything. And therefore, it bound the people, the priests, the tabernacle, the vessels in the tabernacle, all under one covenant, one blood. This is the way Moses initiated, ratified, and placed all the people under the agreement and purified all the substances in order to have this agreement with God. So the question is, why blood? Why blood? Well, I started out with telling you how wonderful blood was so you could understand a little bit why blood. Because blood is life-giving and life-sustaining. Every two seconds in the United States of America, the country I live in, somebody needs a blood transfusion. Oh, somebody needs a blood transfusion. Oh, somebody needs a blood transfusion. Somebody needs a blood transfusion. Somebody needs a blood transfusion. Do you get it? Somebody's life every two seconds is being saved sustained by a blood transfusion. 
because blood has the ability to give life, sustain life, purify the body from toxins, and to promote life, and even to impart disease-fighting antigens into the bloodstream and the system of somebody. Blood is also the penalty of breaking the covenant. God was saying with this ratification, if somebody breaks this covenant, the only way, the only payment is blood. And it must be the blood of an innocent. That's why it was the blood of an animal and not a person. Because a person intentionally sins. A person knows they've sinned. They're not innocent. Ever since Eve ate that fruit, no one's been innocent. We're all responsible for what we did. Before she had the knowledge of good and evil, she wasn't aware of sin or aware of of what would be sin. But once she ate that and had the knowledge of good and evil, then sin was intentional. But animals do not intentionally sin. I know Barnabas, my dog, he doesn't intentionally sin. When I say, no, Barnabas, he looks at me like, what? I did something wrong? I didn't mean to. I love you, master. In fact, Brian says, he doesn't talk like that. It's not what he sounds like if, if we could understand him. He says, what, master? What is your problem? Brian gives him this noble voice. We fight over sometimes or just kind of discuss what we think Barnabas' real voice sounds like. The voice we'll hear in the millennium. One of us believes we'll hear it in the millennium. I won't talk about the other person because he's undecided. But that's why it had to be the blood of an animal because an animal was innocent. They didn't have a consciousness of sin. Thus, an animal did not willfully or intentionally sin. But an animal could never really cover sin. It, it, it couldn't get rid of sin. It could only bring a temporary. It could only pay a price. It, it was like, it's like you owe this huge debt because of sin, right? And the blood of animals was the interest only, the interest only payments. It was just holding off the creditor, but it wasn't touching the principal. Does that make sense? Or does your husband do the bills? Just asking. Neither money could appease the law. You know, the law doesn't say, you, you know, you send, like in our system in California, if you break the law, it's $1,000 or it's $2,000. But if you kill someone, you pay with your life, either with a life sentence or the death penalty. Material items could not appease the law. You couldn't say, look, I know I sinned, so I'm going to give you my house. You couldn't say, no, I know I sinned, so you know, here's, here's my farm. Here's my wine collection. Here's my olive trees. You couldn't do that. Material items could not appease the law. Good works could not appease the demands of the law. If you owed a debt, it didn't matter how many good works you were doing over here. It did not touch your debt to sin. Sin does not accept 
material goods. Sin does not accept money. Sin does not accept good works. They could not touch it. But the blood of an innocent animal could hold off the creditor, could only hold off the creditor. The penalty had to be paid by blood. As it says in verse 22, and according to the law, almost all things are purged with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Without blood, and that word remission is the Greek word aphesia, and it means emancipation or freedom from a debt. You could not get out of this debt. It required either the death of this sinner because then he wasn't alive anymore, like a person who owes a credit card debt, they die, no one can pay it, or of an innocent animal. There was no freedom from sin, no emancipation. The penalty had to be paid by blood. And the blood was applied with water, hyssop, And hyssop is an antiseptic plant known for its healing properties. Today, hyssop is used to treat colds and lung infections and intestinal disorders and a host of other elements. I just wanted to say that because I thought it was interesting. And then scarlet wool. Scarlet wool, not just wool, but, but wool, crimson wool. Wool, the color of blood. In Isaiah 118, God says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Isn't it interesting that it's by water and hyssop and scarlet wool that the blood was applied, sprinkled on the people, applied to the tabernacle, applied to the vessels of the tabernacle. Here is the means by which to initiate, ratify, purify, and reconcile the earthly with the heavenly. So the tabernacle, the sacrifices, the rituals, all mirrored the actual reality. We're told in verse 23 of Hebrews 9, it was all a mirror, it was all a foreshadowing, it was all a preparation copies of what God was going to do in the heavens. The tabernacle was a type of the throne of God, and it was to show the people the exclusivity that they couldn't go in, that they were excluded. Even the sacrifices of the animals could not bring the common person in to the holy place, let alone the holiest of all places. And even the priest by sacrifice, the high priest could only go in once a year to the holiest place of all. And then he wasn't able to see. He just went in and sprinkled the blood seven times and left. It was showing to the people of Israel the ineffectuality of the sacrificial system, and yet the need for a mediator, the need for something that would go in deeply and cleanse the conscience. You see, we can't just have blood applied. We need a blood transfusion from Jesus Christ. 
the actual, the substantial, the original, went before the eternal throne of God, and it required a greater sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice, in order to initiate a covenant between God and man, in order to ratify or bring the covenant into being, and to guarantee that this covenant was operational. Again, remember, a blood transfusion of an animal is poisonous to human beings. We needed a universal donor who would volunteer his own blood, the overcomer's perfect, untainted blood that could go to every part of our system and remove the toxins and give the life-imparting oxygen and life into every part of our system. There is a cleansing river of blood. No wonder it, it talks about the river, that, that river of Jesus' blood that flows into us. Jesus went to the real throne of God, the actual Holy of Holies, Verse 24, to appear before the presence of God for us. And what was required to fulfill the debt was the valuable, the precious, the pure, the universal blood that can be given to any blood type, to any man. And once that blood transfusion of Jesus Christ is applied to any man, they are cleansed, they are healed. They have life. Jesus, unlike the high priest, did not need to repeat this action. He did not need to appear with the blood of another that was untainted. But he approached God once at the perfect time with the perfect blood that he brought from his own body to put away sin completely once and for all. In verse 27, we're told that sin is the reason for all death. First Corinthians 15, 56 through 57, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death happens because of sin. And so it's appointed for all of us to die once and then the judgment, the judgment. That's where it, you know, your, your works are judged and oh my goodness. Christ went, he died once. And when he went to judgment, he was found not guilty, but his blood had been spilled. So he said, I take this untainted blood that had no right to be shed because it had no sin and death had no say on it. And I apply this blood to the debt of all mankind. That mankind might receive this universal transfusion and be emancipated from their sin once for all. Once for all. That's how powerful. That's how effective. That's how pure. That's how perfect. 
Jesus' blood is. It was able to deal with the sins of mankind forever, forever. In Isaiah 49, 6, God says, speaking of Jesus, my servant, he says, it is too small a thing to restore just Israel. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and salvation to the end of the earth. That's how powerful. God says, no, your blood's so powerful. It's more than enough to restore Israel and to ratify all my plans. I'm going to make this blood available to the ends of the earth, to anyone who wants salvation, come and receive a transfusion from Jesus Christ. That's how great the blood of Jesus Christ is. Now, Jesus' wealth, Jesus' status, Jesus' righteousness is bequeathed to all of us who believe we receive that blood. We receive that blood. And it says in verse 28, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. He already dealt with sin. It was appointed once to die. He already died. It's done. It is absolutely done. Sin has been dealt with. And now, now we have something much greater to look forward to when Jesus comes. In Ephesians 1, 7, it tells us that in the ages to come, it's going to take the rest of time for God to show us the exceeding riches of his grace through Christ Jesus. In other words, to see all that you've inherited through Jesus Christ, it's gonna take eternity. It's gonna take all time. And in Ephesians 1.18, Paul prayed that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you might know the hope of his calling and what the riches of his inheritance in the saints is. In other words, God has such great plans that the blood of Jesus Christ has purchased from us. You see, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man, the things that God intends for those who love him. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ, it, it's not the end of the story that you've been forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ is now bringing us into the glory the best is yet to be. The best is yet to come. This is just the initiation. Dear sisters, some of you are still at this place like I'm a lousy sinner and I don't deserve anything. Okay, get over it. It's totally true. But you've been brought in by the riches of his grace and now it's all good. It's all good and you can say, wow, I don't deserve it, but it's sure fun. It's sure wonderful, and it's all mine by the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. I don't take any of this glory to myself. I say, I get all this because Jesus is good. I can be thankful every day, and I can possess my possessions. I can love my husband, Brian, freely. I can enjoy my awesome kids because of the cross of Jesus Christ, because this richness 
is mine because of what Jesus did. No, I didn't deserve it, but that's why it's so great. It's like one Christmas present coming every single day for the rest of my life because of what Jesus has done. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, he was looking, and we'll get to this in chapter 12, at the joy that was before him. In other words, Jesus said, it's worth it. It's worth it. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. This is a foundational principle of God's dealings with men. Many people today think that sins fade away over time or get measured against our good works or decent lives. But the author of Hebrews wants us to know that there is no forgiveness outside of the shedding of blood. The shedding of Jesus' perfect and innocent blood is the answer God provided us for our problem of sin. As we accept His sacrifice, we are forgiven and restored to a right relationship with God. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll conclude our look at the importance of blood as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.